Hello everyone, thank you for listening to another episode of Apostolic Archives. The following episode you're about to listen to is from Reverend Lee Stone King in the year 1989 with what I do believe is another Kentucky District Camp meeting. Thank you for listening and I hope it blesses you today. Thank you, Brother Vitito. Praise the Lord, everyone. Would you please stand in the presence of the Lord tonight? I feel the wonderful touch of Jesus And because Jesus is here, anything can happen. I understand and know that no matter what is preached, the Holy Ghost is always there to meet the needs of the individuals. God is in this place. I have thoroughly enjoyed the singing and the worship of the people of God tonight. I'm glad to see Brother Puckett and Brother Vidito, and I am delighted to meet Brother Bear. I have heard so much about him, listened to him on tape, but I have looked forward to being here to minister and work with him. I want to turn tonight to the book of Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. I want to begin this camp meeting tonight with this particular understanding. In the book of Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, The apostle writes here, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The Bible says of itself that it is quick powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides joints, marrow, is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart itself. I want to simply entitle this tonight, Influence of the Bible. Would you lift your hands, your hearts, your voices, and would you pray with me tonight before you are seated? Lord Jesus, tonight we enter this area in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have come to this place in your matchless, resplendent name. We're asking tonight that you will anoint these lips of clay, that you will cause me to speak as the oracle of the Lord, that you will anoint us to hear and to speak, that the power of the word, that the references to it will find a place in our hearts and souls that will become indelibly ingrained and imprinted, O Lord, upon the tissues and the fibers of our being. Will you anoint us to hear and to speak tonight? We will not fail to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. We ask these things in the wonderful, wonderful name of this man called Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. Would you give the Lord one great round of applause together tonight? And worship him with me. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. That's really rather pitiful, you know. We can do it much better than that. The Bible says to clap your hands. All ye people, shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. For we understand and know tonight that he is great and that he is greater to be praised. And of his kingdom there shall never ever be an end. That what we feel in this place tonight will go on and on and on for eternity, forever and forever. Hallelujah, Jesus. You may be seated again. George Washington, the first president of these United States, said... It is impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. Abraham Lincoln said, I believe the Bible is the best gift God has ever given to man. All the good from the Savior of the world is communicated to us through this book. William E. Gladstone, one of England's prime ministers, said, I have known 95 of the world's great men in my time. And of these, 87 were followers of the Bible. The Bible is stamped with a specialty of origin, and an immeasurable distance separates it from all competitors. 
Napoleon said, the Bible is no mere book, but a living creature with the power that conquers all that oppose it. Queen Victoria, one of the greatest reigning sovereigns of England, said, that book accounts for the supremacy of England. Patrick Henry said, the Bible is worth all of the books which ever have been printed. Andrew Jackson said, that book, sir, is the rock on which our republic rests. Robert E. Lee said, in all my perplexities and distresses, the Bible has never failed to give me light and strength. John Quincy Adams said, I have for many years made it a practice to read through the Bible once every year. Sir Isaac Newton one of the most prestigious natural philosophers and mathematicians of modern times who discovered the calculus said there are more sure marks of authenticity in the Bible than in any profane history. Martin Luther said, I'm afraid the great universities will prove to be the great gates of hell unless they diligently labor to explain the Holy Scriptures and to engrave them upon the hearts of youth. I advise no one to place his child where the Scriptures do not reign. Every institution where men are not unceasingly occupied with the Word of God must become corrupt. Woodrow Wilson said, speaking before 3,000 of the nation's thinking men, he said, Oh, men, my brothers, long ago I stayed my all on Christ and could not go on, on without him and his book, and I would not be willing to try. Professor William Lyon Phelps, who died in 1943, headed the literature department of Yale University and was the school's most popular professor, also taught at Harvard. He said, to any youth eager to learn to write well, I would say three words, read the Bible. That book is the best written book in the English language. It is greater than any philosophy or novel because it contains in its own pages the greatest short stories, the greatest essays, the greatest philosophy, and the greatest beauty of thought. It is greater than all the other books in the world combined. It has no rival. A man with a knowledge of the Bible and no college education is more truly educated than a man with a college education and no knowledge of the Bible. Charles R. Erdman, former professor of practical theology at Princeton Theological Seminary in Princeton, New Jersey, said, The Ten Commandments have never become antiquated. They were not amended nor abrogated by our Lord. He interpreted them. He taught men that these laws applied not only to outward acts, but that they concerned thought and motives and desire. In harmony with these changeless laws, the moral teachings of the Bible form an infallible rule for right living. It is amazing to me tonight, if you perk up your ears to listen, how much of the Bible is quoted in everyday conversation, especially in our particular part of the world. The influence of the Bible is staggering, and yet proper credence is not always given to the source that men quote. For example, you've heard people say, it will cleave to the roof of the mouth. It's a quote from the book of Psalms. People want to get to the root of the matter. It's a quote from the book of Ecclesiastes. They talk about the fly in the ointment. That also is a quote from Ecclesiastes. People talk about sour grapes. Your teeth are set on edge. It's a quote from the book of Jeremiah. People want to talk eye to eye. It's a quote from the book of Isaiah. People talk about going to the ends of the earth. It's from Psalms. He's the apple of my eye. Deuteronomy chapter 32 and 10. Spare the rod and spoil the child. It's a quote from the book of Proverbs. Out of the mouth of babes. It's a quote from Psalms. And we've all said this one, eat, drink, and be merry. It's found in the book of Ecclesiastes. Some people are scapegoats. It's found in the book of Leviticus. Jezebel is, according to Webster's Dictionary, any woman regarded as shameless, wicked, etc., People talk about eating the fat of the land. It's a quote from the book of Genesis. People have escaped by the skin of my teeth. It's a quote from Job. Others have said they're holier than thou. It's a quote from the book of Isaiah. The race is not to the swift. You'll find it written in Ecclesiastes. Set your house in order. You can find it in 2 Kings chapter 20 and verse 1. People talk off the top of their head. It's a quote from the book of Deuteronomy. The meek shall inherit the earth. It's a quote from the book 
of Psalms. Some people are a stumbling block. You'll find that statement in Isaiah 8 and 14. Can a leopard change his spots? It's a quote from the book of Jeremiah. Others are going to endure to the bitter end. You'll find that written in the book of Proverbs. Others want to live to a good old age. You'll find it in the book of Judges. Amen appears 14 times in the Jewish scriptures and has become almost universally used and accepted. Between 1800 and 1950, one and a half billion copies of the Bible were sold and year after year, millions of more, millions more are purchased. The Bible has been the bestseller of all books published, topping even cookbooks. The American Bible Society alone has distributed 900 million Bibles and parts of Bibles since its founding in 1816. P. Marion Sims, the Bible historian, has pointed out the vast majority of all the books that have ever been published has been Bibles. The Bible has been translated into over 1,000 languages. The first book of importance published in America was the book of Psalms, which is now so rare it has brought $151,000 at a public auction. The Congress of the United States once officially endorsed the printing of a Bible and urged Americans to buy it. The Bible contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy, its precepts are binding, its histories are true, and its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, and practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's character. Here is paradise restored, heaven opened, and the gates of hell disclosed. Jesus Christ is its grand subject, our good the design, and the glory of God its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. It is a mind of wealth, a paradise of glory, and a river of pleasure. It is given to you in life, ladies and gentlemen. It will be opened at the judgment and be remembered forever. It involves the highest responsibility, will reward the greatest labor, and will condemn all who trifle with its contents. Would you clap your hands again for just a moment? And would you lift your voice to the sovereignty of God that is in this place tonight and shout with your voice a voice of triumph? <laughs> Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Would you do that one more time and loosen yourself in the spirit? Just clap your hands, as David said, and shout with your voice for just a moment. A voice of triumph and loosen yourself in the spirit. Something wonderful is here and something wonderful is going to happen in this place. Many somethings wonderful are going to happen in this place tonight. Because I reiterate in your hearing that where Jesus is, anything can happen. Anything can happen in the presence of the Lord. Anything is possible in the presence of this Jesus of Nazareth. Hallelujah. When Queen Elizabeth, several years ago, many years ago now, when Queen Elizabeth was coronated Queen of England, she was preceded from the door of the abbey to the seat of her enthronement by a bishop carrying a Bible. All the presidents of these United States have taken their inaugural vows with their right hand placed upon the Bible. The Bible has enjoyed an unprecedented place in the minds and the hearts of humanity from the time of its inauguration or entrance into the knowledge of man. But people, for the last 200 years, the Bible has come under attack. Many people are beginning to doubt the authenticity, the validity, the reality, the tangibleness of the Word of God. To them, it's only a mere book. But to those of us who know Him, it's more than a book. It is, as Napoleon said, it is a living creature. And all who oppose it and trifle with its content come to naught in the end result. 
May I say to you tonight uh, that we preach Jesus of Nazareth uh, and you can feel his spirit here. But the only real knowledge we have of this man Jesus, uh, this Emmanuel, this God with us, uh, this omnipotence and deity that has become fused with human frailty. The only knowledge we have of him is found in this book that I have carried into this place. Only two men in all of history ever mentioned that he lived. One of them was a great Jewish historian whose name was Josephus. The only knowledge we really have of this man called Jesus is found in the contents of this book right here. It talks about him. It declares him. Do you understand me tonight when I say that this Bible, this Bible put together a purported word picture of a man yet unborn, a feat which has no equal, and it came to pass exactly as the Holy Scripture said that they would. Brilliant court preachers like Isaiah prophesied about him. Amos, a country preacher. Those prophets never met each other. Many of their lives did not overlap. Yet they put together a word picture of a man that would come on the scene who was literally a fusion of omnipotence and deity. I tell you tonight that what happened at Bethlehem, I do not believe a second person of the Godhead was born in the manger in Bethlehem. I believe a God that had always been found a body and came walking down the road of my life and came walking down the road of your life. Jesus was a body born to house a God that had always existed. For it is written here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. 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 And that one has become flesh and blood and he has dwelt among us and we feel him in this place tonight powerfully because he is alive. Alive. In this place. <laughs> Hallelujah. But there is, there is a move on in our culture to take prayer out of our courtrooms, out of our schools, in God we trust off our coins, chaplains out of the armed services, and Christ out of Christmas. I cannot imagine anything more ridiculous than to remove Christ out of Christmas. You would have nothing left. I know there are pros and cons about Christmas, but let me throw this in for free. If anybody could actually worship at that season of the, t- of the year. It is us because we understand that down from His glory He came into this world. If anybody could worship, it's these oneness tongue-talking baptized in Jesus' name, people, because we understand and know who He is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's all clap again for just a moment and worship Him in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. As far, as far as I am concerned, if the Bible goes down, anarchy will rule. It's either back to the Bible or back to the jungle. Every civilization, every nation, every culture that has ever turned its back on the holy writ of Almighty God has come to naught. So, it's either back to the Bible or back to the jungle. And then there are scientists. Scientists amaze me. They amaze me. If anybody ever believed in a God, it ought to be a scientist. Because I can look through a microscope and I can believe that there is a God. I can look through a telescope at the celestial bodies that spangle the night sky and I can believe that there is a God. I can watch the moon rise over the mountain and I can believe that there is a God. I can watch the sun rise and I can believe that there is a God. I can watch the sun sink in the west and I can believe that there is a God. I can hear and feel the surf rolling at my feet on the shores of the Pacific or the Atlantic. And I can believe that there is a God. I can watch lightning streak through the heavens, through the black and thunder clouds. And I can believe that there is a God. I can hear thunder roar. And I can believe that there is a God. I can hear the wind blow through the trees. And I can believe that there is a God. 
I can watch the stream trickle from the mountaintop and believe that there is a God. I can watch the waves of the sea come and blow and I can believe that there is a God. I can watch an eagle caught in the air currents soar loftily in the heavens and I can believe that there is a God. I can listen to the voice of a baby cry and I can believe that there is a God. I can lift a rose to my nostrils and I can believe in a God. How is it that red velvet petals can come out of a thorny stick and emit a fragrance that even scientists cannot duplicate? How does it come out of a stick? From whence does it get this glory? From whence does it get this power? From whence does it get this influence? I can pick an apple from a tree and sink my teeth into it. How does an apple grow out of a limb of wood? How do peaches grow? out of the ends of wooden sticks I can reach up and pull down and I can believe that there is a God I can believe that there is a God I can watch a lily push its head through the stubborn sod in the spring with the spring thaw and I can believe that there is a God if anybody if anybody ever believed in a God it ought to be a scientist they are the ones that ought to believe in a God but unfortunately they do not they are the ones that push secular humanism they are the ones that push evolution they are the ones that tell us this book has no value they are the ones that put it down they are the ones that fight Christians like us our colleges and universities are filled with them I'll throw this in for free there's such an argument there's such a debate over evolution and they are now teaching it in our public school systems as fact I have friends in California who belong to the creation research team. They challenged evolutionists to an open debate and not one evolutionist would step forward because they've got a theory, but we've got an experience and there is a difference between an argument and an experience. They are not the same. There are two schools of thought. There is the evolution model, which says that all forms of highly complex forms of life evolved over millions of years by freakish mutations from lower life and sometimes one single cell. The creation model says, on the other hand, that highly complex forms of life appeared suddenly, conspicuously, everywhere at once. The only record that can lend any credence to which of the two models is correct would be the fossil record. Because if evolution were true, then we should find in the fossil record literally thousands of fossilized transitional periods between animals with no spines that became animals with spines. There should be thousands of fossilized records proving that man and animals did evolve. There should be that record in the fossil from invertebrates to vertebrates but ladies and gentlemen they have not found one fossil go back and teach that to your professors go tell that to your school teachers have them produce a fossil that proves evolution the fossil record says no the fossil record says that creation is true the fossil record says no evolution is not true because there was a God in the beginning who stepped out on space and said let there be light and there was light there was a God who said let the heavens bring forth and it did bring forth there was a God who bent low over the dust of the earth and scooped up the clay or the dust and formed it with a head, torso, limbs, hands and feet and said to that Adam, you are a living soul. He breathed into that lump of clay the breath of life and man became a living soul. Thus it is written and thus it is. If you believe that, would you shout or whatever your thing is, would you clap, would you dance in the presence of the Lord because he is Great, and he is greatly to be praised. Uh, hallelujah. Uh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, clap your hands. I feel the power and the glory of the resurrected one. 
in this place tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I, I was on a plane one night flying toward California. I was sleepy and I fell asleep. But after a while I woke up, there was a distinguished man seated beside me. And in my way of doing things, I began to talk to him. And he asked me what I did for a living. And I told him. And I said, what have you been in life? Or what are you? He said, Reverend, he said, I was at one time an atheist. I did not believe in God. He said, but I was a pilot in the Air Force. And one night alone on a flight mission in the cockpit of my plane. For the first time in my life as an adult man. I happened to look out on the vast expanse of the stars and the firmament. And he said, when I looked at it, I began to tremble. And something came through the walls of my plane and sat down in the seat beside me. It was then, he said, I began to believe that there was a God. He said, He came to me out of the heavens. He came out of the air and sat with me in the cockpit of my plane. I... I said to him, what have you done with it? He said, my wife doesn't even know this yet, but I've been going to a little black church on the other side of our city. He said, they clap their hands. I said, that sounds like us. He said, they talk out of their heads. I said, that is us. He said, they dance. He said, they dance and shout. He said, and I can feel something there that I've never ever felt before. Oh, Pentecostal tonight, we are the most privileged people on the face of the earth. I feel like shouting. I feel like dancing. I feel like running. I feel like screaming at the top of my lungs. You were not just singing about something that was dead, but you're singing about a living God, a living God whose name is Jesus of Nazareth. Have you ever heard the like? Have you ever felt the like? Jesus. Oh, do it again. Because in the presence of the Lord, in the presence of the Lord, you can suddenly be healed right there where you're standing. In the name of Jesus, you can suddenly be healed in the presence of the Lord. Where He is, anything can happen. And as easily as you feel Him, you are healed in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Uh, hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, oh, you. Oh, you who could not put one star in motion, who could not build one mountain out of earth, or trace the pattern of a single snowflake, or understand the miracle of birth, presumptuous mortal who cannot alter the universe in any way, or fashion one small bud, release one raindrop, or toss one cloud into a sunny day. Oh, earthling who could never paint a sunset, or cause one dawn to shine. Oh, puny man who cannot create a single miracle. How dare you, how dare you doubt the only one who can? You've seen these people at election time that carry these placards on their chest and their back and they write on these placards during election time, during the political upheaval of our political system. I've seen these signs that say, don't bother me with facts. My mind is already made up. There are people like that. Some people cannot find God for the same reason a robber cannot find a policeman. They're not looking for him and they hope they never find him. There are other people who are just like cement. They're all mixed up and well set. There are a lot of people like that. They're just all mixed up and well set. We need the demonstration of the Spirit of God and power in this hour to put to naught the gainsayers and the mockers and the scoffers. And I'll tell you how we're going to get it to be able to quote the word of the Lord. It is a sword. It is a shield. It is a buckler. It is our bread when we are hungry. It is our drink when we are thirsty. It is a cleft in the rock. This book, 
It is reasonable for me to assume. It is reasonable for me to understand that if there is a God and he is an intelligent being, and I assume I'm an intelligent being, he would make some way to reveal himself to me. And he has through his word. He has this God, this master of the universe as the Jews call him. He has made a way to reveal himself to earthlings. He sent his word through about 40 different authors or secretaries. It was dictated. The Holy Ghost moved on holy men of old and they spoke as he spoke through them. God has made a way to reveal himself to man through his word. When you open the cover of this book, it brings you into his presence when you read from these pages it is to hear from him directly personally between the covers of this book lie the answers to the problems of life between the covers of this book lie the answers to the problems of life a preacher in our district one time said, I've got so many questions. He stood in a district conference and said, I've got so many questions. And nobody seemed to know what to tell him or say to him. But the next year, he came back to that same, same type of district conference. And he stood and said, I have read my Bible unceasingly since I stood last year. And someone said, well, have you still got, got all the questions? He said, I don't have any questions anymore. But I don't have, I don't have any answers either. He said, but Something has happened to me. Something has happened to me. I have put it all under. Just put it all under. Just put it all under. I don't know what you'll think about this, but there are times in difficult trials I have gone to bed with that book. I have wrapped my arms around it. I have slipped it under my pillow. And there's something about it, ladies and gentlemen. There is something in that book. There is something in that book. I leave it open every night beside my bed. And I claim the promises. And dare the devil, if he tries to interrupt my sleep, I dare him to read from the written word. I dare him to read from the written word because it is a power it is a power it is a fire and then then there is the great theme of the bible redemption god's love for the human race the greatest love story you are ever going to read can be found within the pages of this book Jesus said it. He said, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. It's the greatest story that I have ever heard or read. A sinner teenage girl came to a meeting where I was in New York State. And at the altar service, she was weeping and crying. And I went to pray for her. She stopped praying, opened her eyes, and looked into my face. She said, Sir, I have never been in church before. This is my first time to church. I don't know anything about it. She said, But is it possible that this Jesus you preached about this morning, is it possible that he died for me? I said, Yes, it is. In fact, he did. Why do you ask? She said, because as I had my hands raised, as I was trying to pray and talk to this God, I don't understand. She said, I saw this man that was breathing so profusely, hanging up on some kind of a wooden apparatus. She said, I just wonder if it is possible that he died for me. I said, yes, he did. It's the greatest love story, lady, that you will ever hear in all of your life. She threw her hands in the air. And this Jesus, this man from Galilee, this lowly Nazarene, this El Shaddai, die, this Elohim, this Adonai of the Old Testament filled her with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and she no longer had to wonder, but she knew how many of you know tonight, how many of you know, how many of you know Hallelujah, Jesus. I want to ask you just as kindly as I can. Nobody moving in and out. You are playing havoc with the spirit world. Now try to absorb that and just cooperate for a few more minutes. Would you clap your hands again? And would you shout with your voice unto the Lord? 
Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 It is amazing to me, it is frustrating to me that some men have given their entire lives to destroying the Bible. Voltaire, the French philosopher and author, predicted from his home in Switzerland that in a hundred years the Bible would be a forgotten book found only in museums. He said that, wrote that, taught that just before his death. But today, exactly 200 years after his death, where do you suppose the headquarters of the Geneva Geneva Bible Society is it has been set up in Voltaire's house because God is not mocked Napoleon was right all who trifle with the contents of this book will come to naught it's a living creature it's a living creature you can quote it and peace will come to you you can quote it and healing will come to you you can quote it and devils will back away you can quote it and sickness will leave your body it is a wealth it is a treasure it is a treasure But you can go to the leading colleges and universities of our country. You can go to reference libraries in every major city in this country. And you'll find whole volumes written against the validity, the authenticity, the reality of the Holy Scriptures. Some men have given their entire lives to destroying the influence of the Bible. For example, over 80 years ago now, there were scholars who came on the scene and said that the Bible, they had found a mistake in the contents of its pages. Because in 2 Kings chapter 15 and verse 29, there is a Syrian king whose name is Tiglath-Pileser. The Bible says that this Syrian king at one time conquered the Israelites. But the experts, the scholars said, because we cannot find his name anywhere in history recorded, only just a name in this book called the Bible. There is an error in the Bible. It's just a fictitious setting. And that shook the believer's world. Many Bible scholars were shaken by that because the so-called scholars said that there was a mistake in the Bible, that this Tiglath-Pileser had never lived or existed but now they have found his capital city and in the bricks of his city they have found his name impressed in the bricks the scholars are wrong but the Bible is true the scholars are wrong but the Bible is true and then there were others who said that Moses could not have written the first five books of the Bible because writing did not exist in the days of Moses. But they have now in this century found clay tablets that predate the life and death of Moses by 500 years. Proof that writing did exist in the days of Moses and that he did write the Pentateuch or the Torah or the first five books of the Holy Scriptures. The scholars are wrong, but the Bible is true this was the greatest argument this was the greatest argument against the validity of the scriptures scholars in my lifetime about the time I was born came on the scene and said that the gospel of John Matthew Mark Luke and John that John was a forgery that it did not appear in the first century as it declares itself to have appeared. But it did not come into existence until the third or fourth century A.D. That argument shook the theological world. It shook the world of believers more than any of the other arguments. Because when the scholars came on the scene and said that the gospel of John had not existed in the beginning. That it was just a forger that came on the scene a couple of centuries later. It shook a lot of people. Because Matthew was written to the Jews to persuade them. 
Mark was written to the Romans to persuade them. Luke was written to the Greeks to persuade them. But John was written to whosoever will. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. And the people feared the deletion of all the glory that they had found in the gospel of John. It shook our Christian world. But now they have found a mummy in Egypt whose funeral they can prove took place in 100 A.D. They took this mummy to Rylands University in Manchester, England. And carefully the scientists and those that were involved began to work with this mummy. The mummy had been enshrouded with leaves that had been glued together with a special solvent. They began to dissolve these leaves and pull them off one at a time. Only to find under that layer another layer of leaf fragments that also had been carefully glued together and had enshrouded this mummy carefully dissolved that particular layer and right in the middle of the mummy whose funeral they can prove took place in 100 AD a large fragment of the gospel of John had been buried with that mummy the scholars are wrong but the Bible is true the scholars are wrong but the Bible is true I've got a photograph of that part of John in my files at home oh Pentecostal clap your hands again and just worship the Lord for a moment you don't ever have to be afraid of anybody you don't ever have to back away from anything that we believe may I say here tonight you want to know why we demand people to repent at our altars because it's in the book you're never going to understand a Pentecostal unless you read this book you cannot understand a Pentecostal unless you read this book you know why we baptize in Jesus' name? Because it's in the book. You know why we get the Holy Ghost speaking with tongues? Because it's in the book. You know why we believe in miracles? Because it's in the book. You know why we anoint with oil? Because it's in the book. You know why we clap? Because it's in the book. You know why we shout? Because it's in the book. You know why we leap for joy? It's in the book. You know why we run the aisles? You're going to find it in the book. You're never going to understand us until you read this book. We don't make any sense to anybody because we are found only in this book. I feel his holy presence in this place tonight the glory and the power of the resurrected one <laughs> hallelujah Jesus <laughs> Go ahead, let your voice out. I feel excited for the bucket. I'm all wound up. I'm just all wound up just talking about it. I'm not really quoting very much of it, Brother Bear. I'm just talking about it. My God, what will happen tomorrow when he quotes it? If I just talk about it and you do all of this, what are you going to do when he begins to quote it? There is something going to happen in this camp meeting that has never, ever happened before. Never! Something is going to happen here. Something is going to be born in this place that is never ever going to die. Something is going to be born that's never ever going to die. Oh. Hallelujah. You may be seated or stand or whatever you want to do. I don't care. <laughs> when Amoco, American Oil, Standard Oil, when I was a little boy, when they wanted to find out or determine if there was oil in the Near East, where do you suppose they went to help them find it? One of those scientists could remember from a Sunday school class his Sunday school teacher teaching that there was a woman and a man who gave birth to a proper child under a pharaoh in Egypt and that brother and father hid that child and the mother made a little ark and she sealed the ark with pitch scientists know that where there is pitch there is oil 
So these elite, these scientists, these degreed individuals uh, pulled out the old black book uh, and sat down over a table and began to run through it uh, to see if they could find the story. And they found it uh, and they were able to geographically pinpoint uh, the place of the story. And they took their equipment there and they drilled and they found oil. The Bible is true, but the scholars are wrong. The Bible is the anvil that has worn out many hammers. It is the anvil that has worn out many hammers. Kings have pondered its pages. Poppers have wept over it. Mothers have taken silver strands of hair and marked it and left their tears upon the pages as a reminder that there's something alive in this book that can touch a human heart. Sinners have heard it preached and they have come by the tens and hundreds of thousands. I came here this morning. I came from California, Iowa here this morning. And I'm telling you, someone called me so excited. They said, Brother Stone King, we had a family show up in church this morning. A whole family. Well, that's not too unusual. But they said there was a man in our neighborhood walking down the street. And of course, it's hot in San Antonio. It was in a poor neighborhood and all the windows were up. And somebody was playing one of my tapes, probably louder than this should have been from the revival I just preached when I was there and a sinner man walking by on the street listened to the word of God preached and slipped across the lawn and sat down under the window on the grass and listened to the word of God preached and went home and got his family and brought the whole family to the house of God that is apostolic we are entering into something that we've never been into before we are entering into an era that we have never touched before Great things, mighty things are happening in the presence of the Word of God. And then there's my testimony. And then there is your testimony. Most of us came into Pentecost accidentally. Most of us came to look it over. And to make our comments. I was one of them. I came to the first service like this and I said to myself, if I ever get out of here alive, I will never be back. That's exactly what I thought about this bunch. I never saw such goings on. I never heard so much. But I want to tell you something. In the basement of that whole missionary church, I looked into your eyes and saw somebody looking back at me. There was a light in your eyes. And when that Bible was preached, something reached out of the air and got a hold of me. And I knew I was in the presence of something that had come from ancient days. I was a nobody going nowhere and my house number was zero. But one day, this man called Jesus through the preached word came walking down the road of my life. And when I heard the knock, I had the good sense to open the door. And when I did, I looked into the face of this resurrected one. And he said, if you will go, I will go with you. 
Some of you may have heard this before, but it's worth reiterating. I got the Holy Ghost October 6, 1963 on a Sunday night. I was so excited. I got the Holy Ghost flat on my back lying on the floor. I had prayed Tuesday night, Thursday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, but the butcher got every advantage as he could get to get me through and nothing seemed to work. And we had church until 1 and 2 o'clock in the morning. People, when I came into Pentecost, I was born in the fire and I cannot sit in the smoke. I've got to have something happen. Every time I come to church, something has got to happen. I'm sick of programs. I'm sick of everything and so are you. I'm sick of it all. I want something to happen. Somebody's got to shake. Somebody's got to tremble. Somebody's got to cry. Somebody's got to get baptized. Somebody's got to get the Holy Ghost. Somebody's got to get healed. I can't handle it anymore. I just can't handle it anymore. Something has got to happen. God's going to take us back to the old paths. He's going to take us back to the old ways of doing things. We're going to get so slap happy drunk on the spirit. We're not going to care about 11 o'clock, 11.30 or the pizza hut or anything else. We're just going to be so tanked up on him. Just so tanked up on him that nothing else really matters. I was so excited. I was so excited about having the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'd prayed so hard to get it. I called my landlord on Monday morning after I had called my job. I called my job and said, I'm not coming in today. They said, are you sick? I said, no. They said, what's wrong with you? I said, you wouldn't understand. <laughs> I'd prayed so hard to get this Holy Ghost that when I finally got it, I declared a national holiday for myself. I said, home from work and practice this Holy Ghost all day in the corner. Just talked in tongue almost of the day. Turned it on, turned it off, played around with it, wept and cried, listened to stereo. It was the greatest day of my entire life. And I got paid for it besides that. <laughs> I called my landlady. I said, Ethel, I got the baptism of the Holy Ghost last night. <laughs> She was sick in bed with a migraine, had been there for three days. She couldn't have cared less what I had got or didn't get. <laughs> I said, I'm coming over to tell you about it. I came over to her house. The door was unlocked. Walked into the bedroom. Her white hair was laid out on that pillow. She was so sick. Her countenance was so distressed. She said, I cannot lift my head. I said, Ethel, listen to me. These Pentecostals, I've heard them preach it from the Bible. They anoint with oil in the name of the Lord. I said, have you got any oil in the house? She said, there's a big bottle of Mazzola oil in the kitchen. Let me tell you something. When they get sick enough, they don't care what you do. They don't care what you say. They don't care how you act. They just want somebody that can get them out of their trouble. And we can get them out, Brother Bear. We can get them out because we know how to do it. We know how to do it. Yes! I walked in the kitchen. I was a little nervous. My first day for the Holy Ghost. Never prayed for anybody in my life. Walked in there. Nervous. Opened the cap. Spilled the stuff. I had the grease all over my hands. I was anointed for the job at hand. I walked. I walked in that bedroom with oil all over my hands. I put my hands on her head. And I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to be healed. Just a few hours old in the Holy Ghost. I took my hands off her head. There was all, there was Mazzola all everywhere. She opened her eyes and looked at me. She said, she said, it's gone. She said, it's gone. She said, it's gone. It's supposed to be gone. It is supposed to be gone. Something is supposed to happen when you pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Something is supposed to take place when you pray in the name of Jesus. And I know with her, something is supposed to happen. Something does happen. Something does happen. Something does happen. Something does happen. It was then, it was then, Brother Vitato, I knew I had a hold of something. I knew I had a hold of something. I was just a few hours old in the Holy Ghost, but I knew I had a hold of something, and I've still got a hold of something, and you've got a hold of something, because He's inside of you, and greater is He that is within you, and He that is in this world. These signs shall follow them that believe in my name, in my name, in my name. Everybody say, Jesus. 
Sergon! Sergon! I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Be thou healed in the name of Jesus Christ. Be thou healed in the name of Jesus Christ. That's it, that's it. As easily as you feel him. As easily as you feel him. As easily as you feel him. I command it to be gone. I command it to be gone. I command it to be gone. In the name of Jesus, yes. In the name of Jesus, yes. In the name of Jesus, I command it. I command it. I command it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Tap again and worship the Lord for her healing and for her divine touch. Hallelujah. There is a wonderful healing touch of God in this place. The Spirit of the Lord is present to heal. I want to tell you one more thing. Just one more thing. The first time I pastored in Schenectady, New York. You may be seated. Don, you may remember this. I helped pray you through the Holy Ghost, boy. <laughs> Your whole family, in fact. But I remember. Remember Susan Arnold? She called me one day, sobbing. She said, Brother Stone King, my sister left her little three-year-old daughter in the yard in a little plastic swimming pool, not very much water in it at all, just praying. And suddenly from the sink doing dishes, she looked out the window over the backyard, and that little girl was lying face down in that water, motionless. And they had, that mother had screamed and run outside into the yard and picked that baby out of that water, and they had rushed that baby to the hospital, lifeless. <clears throat> Susan said, Brother Stone King, would you come? And the young man she was dating at the time, Rick Frank, came with her. And we met at the hospital. They had that baby in intensive care, people. The doctors could not do anything more than strap this baby in. It was tied by its wrist and by its ankles. And there was a towel thrown across its little abdomen. And the eyes were open and the eyes were rolling in this baby's head. But when a doctor says... I've done everything that I can do. Set your house in order. Prepare to die. There is a voice that says, Try me. Try me. His name, His name is Jesus. I remember standing in the doorway of that room, looking across the room at that baby that was just writhing and contorting in that little crib. No one else in there but that baby. The mother sitting over here in the corner, weeping silently. <clears throat> the sun was sinking in the west, and you could see the last rays of sunlight coming through the hospital room window. There's a little chorus that we used to sing a lot. You'll remember it. It simply says this. The healer's coming down the road the healers coming down the road jesus is coming down the road he can save and he can heal just tell him what you need jesus is coming down the road and I began to sing it again and I began to walk across the room the healers coming down the road the healers coming down the road Jesus is coming down the road he can save and he can heal just tell him what you need jesus is coming 
And at this point, I was at the bed. And when I said, Jesus is coming, I stretched out my hand over that little writhing figure. And those eyes stopped rolling. And those eyes looked into my face. And I knelt on my knees and continued to sing, The healer is coming down the road. They loosed that baby and let that baby out of the hospital. I was preaching away like this in a Sunday morning service in Dover, Delaware. At the end of the service, there was a man out of that audience that came to me. He buttonholed me over here. He said, Brother Stone King, do you really believe what you preached this morning? I said, yes, sir, I do. He didn't say anything to me with tears in his eyes. He turned on his heel and raced out of that sanctuary, jumped in his car and raced to the hospital where his little nine or ten-year-old daughter was in tubes and wires and the doctors could not do anything for the child and the father had wept to that morning service. But when he went down the, the hall of that hospital into that corridor, when he walked across the threshold, of that intensive care room his little girl stopped writhing opened her eyes tore the tubes loose in the wires and jumped out of the bed in the middle of the floor and began to dance in the floor in the spirit totally healed by the presence of Jesus and his word There are people, there are people here right now. There are people here right now that you have opened your soul to such a degree. You have lifted your faith to such a height that you're going to enter into a realm right here that you have never ever been in before. In the name of Jesus. Listen to it one more time. The healer's coming down the road. The healer's coming down the road. Jesus is coming down the road. He can save and he can heal. Just tell him what you need. Jesus is coming down the road. The healer's coming down the road. The healer's coming down the road. Jesus is coming down the road he can save and he can heal just tell him what you need Jesus is coming down the road the healer's coming down the road the healer's coming down the road. Jesus is coming down the road. He can save and he can heal. Just tell him what you need. Jesus is coming down the road. You've got it, brother. You've got it. You're being healed right there, right there, right there, in Jesus' name. There's a woman in a pink dress right over there. You've got your hand over your mouth. If you lift both hands and worship the Lord, God will take it out of your body. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, lift both hands. That's it. 
The healer's coming down the road. The healer's coming down the road. Jesus is coming down the road. He can save and he can heal. Just tell him what you need. Jesus is coming down the road. In the key of F, the healer's coming down the road. The healer's coming down the road. Jesus is coming down the road. He can save and he can heal. Just tell him what you need. Jesus is coming down the road. The healer's coming down the road. Coming down the road. That's it. <clears throat> Let your voice out. Let your voice out. Someone else can sing. I'm going to minister. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. That's it, son. That's it. That's it. That's it. In the name of you. That's it. That's it. That's it. In the name of Jesus. That's it. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. If you need something special from God tonight, if you need something special from the Lord tonight, would you come from where you are? There's Holy Ghost here. There's healing. There are many people being healed in the presence of the Lord right now. There are many that stood tonight that there's a need in your body. If you just lift your hands in the presence of the Lord, if you come to Him, God, He'll touch you there. He can heal. Just tell Him what you need. Jesus is coming down the road. Just moving among the people. Lay your hands on someone near to them. Take the hand of a friend and bring them to this altar prayer. Many will receive healing and Holy Ghost tonight in this place.